You know, if life was one-dimensional, it would be easy. Because you'd only have to focus on and figure out and, you know, uh, follow through and just one aspect of it. But life is not one-dimensional. Life is complicated. It's complicated. They're uh, just in our own person, you know, the triuneness of our own person. Body, soul, and spirit. When we have a spiritual life, we have a natural life, we have a material life, you know, we have a fight life. (laughs) I mean... We're in the world, but we're not of the world, and once in a while, it can just get a little bit confusing, can it? And uh, so as we, you know, try to navigate life, I'm not suggesting that it's easy. Nor am I suggesting that any of us got it all figured out. But uh, as we, as he gives us our daily bread, which is more than just meeting the needs that are natural, but meeting our needs that are spiritual, those scriptures that address our past, the present, and the future, uh, we discover uh, along the way. We have been talking about all the things that Christ has done for us, the mighty work that he accomplished through Christ, you know, the very giving of the Holy Spirit, you know, to walk with us and be with us and never leave us. Uh, And the church talks about, and we should talk about, all that he has done. But what we've been kind of trying to focus on is how should that translate in our lives? If we're a believer, how does believing translate? Because faith without works is dead. Last week, I believe it was on forgiveness. He has forgiven us, so what should be the element of our response? That is, we too, then, need to forgive because we are the body of Christ. We are the living organism we are the, the living picture God is really having a lot of trust and invested a lot in, in the church which is the believers it really has and so this morning if you would permit me to talk about giving Giving. Giving as the anthem of worship. For God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave. 
He gave. God is a giver. He who spared not his only son, but gave him up for us all. He who gives us richly and freely all things. He is a a giver. Amen? It's a giver. I want to read a passage of scripture for you to encourage you to know how, where God is trying to take your life. In Psalms 35, at verse 27, it says, let them shout for joy and be glad. I think we've done a little bit of that this morning. Oh, I like that. Who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, the Lord be magnified. So there is a conversation that needs to be in our lives. And then I love where he's trying to take you. Who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Prosperity, he actually has pleasure in your future and your well-being and, you know, things going good for your life. And John wrote and said that he would, that that would prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. It would be amiss for me to start this message too quickly without, first of all, commending you. And for acknowledging your generosity, your giving, in how you give and support and, you know, make this house possible, make, you know, missions possible, make, you know, uh, the kingdom growth and extension possible. I would like to start with giving of what the scripture says. The scripture says that it is giving is honoring. To give is to honor. The word honor means to show regard and esteem and value, respect. And something that you prize. Doug and Gloria. Hallelujah. I can preach now. Yeah. Man of living. I'm a little slow on the uptake, church. Bless you. Welcome back to Wisconsin. Giving. Honor originates in the heart and refers to the value we personally place on something or someone else. Amen? Really. There are three kinds of giving, or should be, say, four kinds of giving. One is serving. One in the framework of 
finances is tithes. The word tithes is just a word for 10%. Then there's offerings. Offerings are simply that when you're giving a sacrifice to the needs of a church or a project. And then, of course, there's alms. Alms is when you give to the poor. And the scripture talks about, you know, those, those arenas. This morning, it's not about money. It's about heart. God is, he's not poor. He can come by money, but we have to give him our heart. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, it says that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. That's the word. More blessed to give. The question is, what is the value we place on something? What is the value? Because we are a value-oriented society. When you go shopping, you look at the item and you look at the price. And you make a determination whether or not it's worth it. Whether it's a big item or a small item, it boils down to value. And whether or not the, what you're willing to you know, give in relationship to the product of the expression, the need. So it's a society of value. Notice that God says, I want you to know how much I value you. He says in 1 Peter, he says, you weren't redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. Now, I don't know whether or not if God had made it that way, God could have put it anyway. He, you know what I mean? He's God. He could have said, well, you know what I mean? We'll just use a gold system. <laughs> but he didn't because... He says they're more valuable than that. He said, for me to just pay that price, you know what I mean, is to use corruptible things, decayable things, variable prices. It's the value goes up and down. Because, because the value of human life and the soul of man and, the, and man's life does not go up and down, it's got to have, you know, a higher emphasis of value in it. And so he looks at the, you know, the criteria, your value. And he says, what, did, what is it? And so then he gives it the value. You were bought. You were purchased. Not by silver and gold, but by the blood. Not just any kind of blood, but the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Do you see your value? 
tremendous value. Not just a value in what you are worth, but a value of even redemption. Even in the state that you are in, he says, you got value to me. You're a little run down, and you're a little wicked in your ways, and you're a little this, and you're a little that, but I know the real value of it and the issue. And so he begins to try to convey to us how valuable you are. Valuable. How much do you value God? How much do you value God? How much do you value what he's done? What he, how he cares for you? And the plans that he's got for you. Now he's not going to stop doing all that. He can't because he's already committed to it. So you're not going to basically earn any points, you know what I mean, in changing God's prerogative and God's plans. But it's about honor. It's about honor. It's about respect. It's about, it's about esteem. Could I have a Proverbs, uh, Andy, uh, chapter 3? And what I want you to do is just notice the word honor. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Everybody say honor. honor. So how do I honor God? When does honor really take on the true nature of honor. I don't know, that would be a hard issue. I can't make that decision. I know there's one thing that Jesus did say, you know, you, you're honoring with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so he's saying, it's got to be more than lip service, church. <laughs> See, God didn't honor you with just lips and words. He honored you with possession. He honored you and I with the first fruits. Right? Absolutely. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Jesus Christ, who is the first fruits. Man. So it's an issue of 
of honor. Why do and why would I? Because I want to honor, I want to esteem, I want to show appreciation. So you see, when you've, what you've done, you've been honoring God. You've been honoring God. The honor principle, you know, a lot of people say, well, that's Old Testament stuff. It, it has nothing to do with Old Testament. It just has to do with God. But then when it began to play out in the human ranks, you know, the very first man that God called and, you know what I mean, began to set in and in, in, in establish and move in the uh, uh, framework of what his idea really was all about when it kind of had been lost, you know what I mean, in, 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 in human uh, uh, living, you know, from the creation to the flood and, uh, you know, after the flood then you know, things kind of get messed up But Abraham. Abraham started the, the principle of honoring God. One of the first things that Noah did after the miraculous salvation, you know, building the ark and got in and up, drowned, is he honored. He honored and built an altar and then he began to demonstrate, you know, honor of those creatures that had been, some of them that had been in the ark. The story of Cain and Abel, it shows us a blueprint really of how to honor God and how to approach God. It tells us that, number one, don't come with empty hands. It tells us that the quality of the gift, you know, was set by God. It says in Exodus chapter 23 that to bring the first fruits. It says in Deuteronomy, it says, bring the first fruits. It also tells us that God does care about what we give him through worship. Because that is what it is. It's worship. It's worship. The story of these two brothers, where one's gift is accepted and the other one is not, is not all that complicated. But it just kind of shows you these principles and, and that Cain, you know, his gift lacked the qualities of first and best. How do we know that it wasn't the first and wasn't the best? is because it says that in the course of time, Cain brought his offering. 
He didn't bring it first. What it shows us is that Cain had a broken relationship with God. Cain had a, you know, something had happened in, in, in the transition in, in, in life. And you know what I mean? And, you know, sometimes how the mind can really play, you know, make problems for you. There's a song in secular world that said, I did it my way. Well, good luck. <laughs> because it tells us that we got to do it God's way. And God accepted the, the sacrifice of, of Abel, and it just really, it, it just it made Cain so angry. How many people are mad at God and angry at God and, you know, taking it out on various people just because they want to do it their way and not God's way? I don't know. Cultivating generosity in our lives. Because generosity is, to, is a core of value. It's an outward expression of an inward commitment. You know, the, the local church is it's the backbone of God's work on earth. And it's the central bank where we need to make our deposits and our, our giving. Oh, why do we give? Because it gives God access. It gives God access, you know, to the the financial and material aspects of our life. Imagine. When we give, we're expressing our gratitude for the past. When we give, we're demonstrating our priorities. When we give, it's a statement of faith for the future. Let me give you the four laws of blessing from giving. When you bless others, God takes care of your needs. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and 10 is a good, you know, outline of that truth. When we care about others, God assumes responsibility for my problems. Because life has got so many dimensions in it. That's what he said. He said, when you seek first the kingdom, I'm going to go ahead and orchestrate the rest of it for you. I'll take care of it. 
By and large, in giving, God is not trying to extract something from you. He's trying to give something into you. He told the children of Israel, he said, you know what I mean? As far as sacrifice is concerned, he said, what do you have that you can give me? If you bring your bulls and your goats, he says, I own them. They're mine. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. God has really got resources, let me tell you. (laughs) He does. He's got resources. And he really does want to get the resources into our hand. Because unless you think that the kingdom doesn't cost something to advance, then you don't know life. Thank you for advancing the kingdom. I want you to prosper. And keys to prosperity. The Bible says that God is looking for places that he can demonstrate his power. Second Chronicles 16 and 9 says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro all of all the earth, looking to show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is loyal. Loyal to him. I hope this is too strong a medicine, but Melchiah writes about us about to, you know, the principle of giving, and he has the backdrop here. He's, God's trying to make some adjustments in the lives of the people. It's, you know, some people receive the word as a rebuke rather than a light and a, a lamp and a light. And David said, that word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. Now, there are times, don't get me wrong, that God rebukes people, you know what I mean? <laughs> but basically, in, in Melchiah, what was happening is, is, it wasn't the absence of offering, it was the condition of offerings. Now, the offerings that they would bring to the Lord, of course, was in the framework of, you know, animals. And rather than bringing the choicest and the best, they said, well, we'll bring the weakest. I mean, it's just going to be slain anyway. They're just going to put it on the altar and kill it anyway. But see, it's more than, you know, it's, it's what are you putting on the altar? Because this is God's altar. It's God's altar. Human-wise, it makes sense. God-wise, it doesn't rise to the occasion. So he says, you know, make sure it's the best. Make sure it's first. Because it's my good pleasure 
promise you. Now look at the law of sowing and reaping. What kind of seed do you look for to get in the ground? Corrupted seed? Or seed that's been proven? Seed, you know what I mean? That the manufacturer says has the potential of 100 bushels. Well, you want the 25. Hello? It's just simple. It's, it's the law of sowing and reaping. If you want the best, you got to give the best. God wanted the best, and so therefore he gave the best. He didn't give the silver and gold because it wasn't the best. He gave his son because it was the best. Because he was expecting the best in return. And that's why, you know what I mean? He understood the value. And he took that which was most valuable in order to get value value back. And so when Malchiah, it's a beautiful scripture in Malchiah 3 and 10, it shows us the divine purpose, the divine protection, and the supernatural promise of increase. Yep. It's right there in one passage of Scripture. Consider the give and grow principle this morning. Stewardship. In Proverbs chapter 11, Proverbs chapter 11 24th or 29, he says, there's one who scatters yet increases more. And there's one who withholds more than is right. It leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich. And he who waters will also be watered him himself. I mean, those are some really beautiful things. It talks about the soul. It said if you gain the whole world, lose your soul. What profit is there? Soul is important. Health of our soul is important. And it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so it seems like giving has a real effect on our soul. My wife loves to give. She really does. And I kind of yield to her giving because I'm not quite as much a giver as she is. And yet I understand the principle of giving. So, you know, I go, you know, it's work. So I'm not going to get in the way. Somebody that's it's got it figured out, you know. Generosity really makes a soul makes your soul flourish. 
You'd be happier. The people who curse him who hold, withholds grain. Obviously, he's talking about someone that may be in power and position, you know what I mean, to be able to. He says, if you don't go ahead and care for it, you know, people are not going to think much of you. Oh, hallelujah. The fountain of life principle. The fountain of life principle is this principle that, that you can live beyond your years through your giving. Through your time on earth. You can live through the next generation. We perpetuate life through giving. That's how God does it. God gave to what? To perpetuate life. We give to perpetuate life. Someone has said we exist temporarily, temporarily through what we take, but we live forever through what we give. Fountain of youth principle. To maximize your treasure in heaven and not on, on earth. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He's not trying to hold the kingdom back. Now, we're doing parables of the kingdom. So we understand the kingdom. What the kingdom is, what it consists of. And, you know, how, how it is operational in a reality right now. And God is trying to get it operative in our daily lives. Yeah. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To invest in the kingdom is to invest in heaven. It says, treasures in heaven don't fail. No thief can break in and spoil what you've done. Oh, hallelujah. It makes a difference. It counts. It has a heavenly record It was scripture that says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What you value most is going to dictate your heart. Now God says, you know what I mean? Life, I want it blessed. But the order is God first. And then enjoy everything else to the fullest. Absolutely. He does not frown. Not at all. 
on enjoying life. But he says it go better if you have kingdom first. The number one competitor for our hearts, the scripture says, is basically money. It's the number one competitor. Now, some people have won it. Other people are just still trying to win it, you know? And then maybe there are those that don't get it at all. But the number one competitor for our hearts is, is money. What is so neat is that when we get our living right, you know, a lot of other things just fall right into place. They really do, church. It gets you giving right. It says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, no man can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and love the other, or else you're loyal to one and despise the other. He really puts a separation, doesn't he? For no man can serve God and mammon. It is a fact that money is a tool. Absolutely. It's good to generate a profit. But it can be a tool or it can be a trap. As a tool, it builds God's kingdom and a testimony Reward in life, but as a trap, it replaces God as our master. It's a hard issue. When you give the first fruits, or when you give first, It says in Romans eleven sixteen, he says, as the first fruit is holy, so also is the lump holy. And if the root is holy, so also is the branches. That is not just simply speaking of Christ and us as his body, but it's speaking about the principle of life. He's saying that that you're giving when it's submitted to God and his purposes has the spirit of God on the whole of the rest. Money is so powerful, not only what we do with it, but also because of what it can do for us. It really is. You're a giver because God's a giver. Hallelujah. Yes. 
Let's look at some principles in honoring God. It's called the big shovel principle. The big shovel principle. It's in the book. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you again. Yeah. The big shovel principle. The cheerful attitude principle. I want to see some more smiles this morning. There's been a too many sober faces as I'm looking out here. I'm not after your money. Neither is God. He's after our hearts. The Bible says the heart, in reference in, in, in Scripture, it talks about cities. You know, that translates to heart. Various cities are various, you know, departments of our heart, and sometimes we have to go there. The cities in our heart. I've been, this, is, this downtime has been a good time for me. It's been a good heart time for me. It really has, church. I've, I've been investigating my heart, not because somehow, you know what I mean, that what's happened to me is, is you know what I mean, somehow I'm out of touch or, you know, I'm, I'm doing something wrong. It just gives me time. To not, I'm not so busy. My body doesn't have enough energy to just to get out and cruise. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it gets to sit in a chair a little while and, you know, and just go, it's a good time to go ahead and think. It's just a good time to go ahead and evaluate. I've made some real adjustments. I have. But the principle, the attitude, the cheerful attitude principle, it begins with loving because it's a heart issue. It begins with a loving. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it says, you know, God just loves a cheerful giver. It's, it's, he's, well, I'll get to where, you know, Mount Wise, but it's attitude. It's attitude. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves it when you, the giver delights in giving. God loves it when the, the giver has purposely made a plan in giving. This book tells us, number one, it starts with the promise of giving. In Proverbs chapter 3. Then in Deuteronomy, it expands and tells us about the purpose of giving. In Malchiah, it tells us the place of giving. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, it tells us the day of giving. 
Think about it. <coughs> the day of giving is there. On the first day of the week. Oh, yes. Remember the story of the widow? The widow who sacrificially gave out of love. And this story has something that stood out through the ages of time as a model for giving. Not the ratio of the gifts giving, but the sacrifice of the gift giving. Jesus notices that people are giving from their expendable income. But he makes mention of, the, of her that gave of her essential income. And this is not so much about the amount that gave, that is giving, but that God's evaluation is different than man's. It's different than man's. It's also showing us that, that it's an injustice because he previously, before the giving, began to rebuke them for their injustices to the widows and the poor. We must not burden the widows and the poor. That's what they were doing. I don't believe that you do that. The first is really the sacred portion. And then there's the river principle. The river principle. Life is to be like a river not a reservoir. Second Corinthians chapter 9 says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always have insufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. The Apostle Paul said, You know what? To the Corinthian church, he said, You've really been advancing and doing well in a lot of areas knowledge that increasing in that but he said there's an area that you, you could improve in and he calls it the grace of giving you could improve in the grace of of giving that's what evaluation is now this morning I'm, I don't know the grace of giving to the church, the Ephesus church, they needed to improve their arena of love. When we go to the Sardis church, there's another area God says, you know what? We need to address this. 
He commends him and then he says, you know, there's an area that you need to address. When you take a look at the churches, So it's a commending, and then it's also, you know what I mean, an evaluation and a searchlight that goes, goes on. So I just want to submit that to you this morning. What is its value? Because honor is value. How much do you value? There are five outlets of power that God makes available to you and I. Number one, through our life. That's what we are. Through our lips, what we say. Through our ministry, what we do through our money, what we give, and through our prayers, what we claim in Jesus' name. Five outlets of power that God has made available to us, you know, with regard to his work. And Amen. Amen. Good. Giving is the really the anthem of worship it's our value system how much value what's the price tag you can't buy it but it's all a matter of honor it's all a matter of honor I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning but I don't want to stop here with this I felt the Holy Spirit direct me and, you know, because it's a burden of my heart to see the prosperity of God's servants. It really is. To see the success. To see the answer to prayer. Actually get home to the one that who's made the prayer. Become a recipient. You know, that it becomes, that it comes home. Get it to, to your house. And so this morning, I, as we conclude this, I, I want to pray for the prayers that you've been praying that have not been answered. And wherein it seems that there's resistance. Resistance. It is possible for there to be resistance. The powers of darkness do not want you to see the fulfillment of the promises of God. It wants to work so you bring into question God. It wants to, you know, uh, create such an atmosphere or such a delay that if possible, you can begin, you'll begin to doubt. And the Bible says that 
You know, there's sometimes we have to bind and sometimes we have to loose. And I want to ask the church this morning to join with me and in binding and loosening this morning. Because something should have already gotten there. But there's been resistance in the heavenlies. And I, 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 I'm going to just pray from here. Not, I'm not going to ask you to step out. Because then, you know what I mean, you might not do it. And I'll be standing here alone. <laughs> and I might as well just stand here alone without, you know... <laughs> But it is my heart. It is my soul. That I will see you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Because God takes pleasure in it. And so, Father, this morning, in some things there's been delays. There's been resistance in the heavenlies. But you gave authority to the church. And you said if she will agree that she could bind and she could lose. Whatever she would bind in heaven would be bound in heaven. Whatever would be loosed on earth would be loosed in heaven. And so Lord Jesus, you said we could have authority over all the powers of darkness and all those hindrance forces. God, that have been hindering this morning and hindering throughout the week and hindering throughout the month and hindering throughout life. God, we put a hold on it and we put a stop on it and, and we bind it from any further activity of resisting and holding it back. And Father, because it's your good pleasure to give us the kingdom and the kingdom is just so much more than just a soul getting saved. It's a kingdom about our living. And so I pray this morning, Father, we release the kingdom living. We release the kingdom living. We release the surplus of the kingdom. Oh God, we release it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Father, today, let the evidence, the evidence speak now in the lives of your children. Oh God, let the evidence be evident we pray in the name of our Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, even the Lord Jesus Christ, we declare it today to the glory of God the Father and the welfare and the being of your children this morning. We break the bands and we release the blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this morning, I'm not saying that you need to increase, increase your giving, but I'll tell you what, I think we need to get, a heart, give our, get our heart into our giving. Yes. I believe that. I believe we need to get our heart into our giving. It's just not a function. It's just not a form. You know what I mean? Even though it is planned. 
God says, I want your heart to get all excited about it. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. When you serve the Lord, he said, I want your heart to really get into it. Amen. When you pull out your checkbook, he said, I want your heart to really begin and get it into it. When you give to the widow, let your heart really get into it. Praise God. Because what really blesses God is when you're happy about your giving. Go with God, praise the Lord, because he's going with you whether you like it or not. Amen. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name.